Well, hey, Christ community, good to be with you guys today. Um, so over the last few years, I've had the opportunity to not only open God, God's word with you guys here as we you know, do these messages, but I've also had the opportunity to open up my heart as I've been able to share with you guys different parts of my story and different parts of my journey. And one of those stories that I've told a couple times has to do with my relationship with my father. I remember two and a half years ago, we were wrapping up the Ruth series and I had an opportunity to talk to you guys about just some of the damage that got done to me in that relationship. As a little kid, my dad had walked away from our family and it impacted me in a really negative way until Jesus was able to help me find some healing and allow me to begin to find my identity in him. Right at that time, my dad and I, we were, we were still estranged. I hadn't talked to him in something like 20 years. And then last summer, when we were going through the book of Philippians, I had an opportunity to tell another part of the story. And it was a part of the story that was actually playing out in real time. Because a couple months prior to me preaching that sermon, I had actually managed to track my dad down after more than 10 years of looking for him. And after talking with him for several months, I had invited him to come out to Colorado to meet me, my wife, and my kids for the very first time. And what was crazy is like, he was actually driving out from Georgia when I was up on stage preaching. And, and so I, I was thinking about this as I was getting ready for today, because I remember both times when I, when I told my story after services, I got to have some really great, deep personal conversations with many of you, right? A few of these conversations were focused on the beauty of what was happening, of how God was moving and bringing us back together. But a majority of these conversations were ones where the people I was talking to, they came up to me because they wanted to tell me their stories of hurt, their stories of pain. Right? They wanted to talk about some of the things that had happened to them or some of the things that were currently happening to them. And the common thing I noticed in a majority of these conversations is that for a lot of the people I talked to, the pain of the things that they had experienced for a lot of them, it, it just seemed to them like it was something that they could never forgive. It felt like it was just too much. You know, when I, when I left these different conversations, um, my, my heart was, was aching, right? Because I, I was grieving over these things that had happened to people I love. Right? These are things that never should have happened. But, but there was also this other reason that I was grieving because these, these friends of mine, right? Like people from our church, our community, even after so many years, these things that had happened to them, they were still controlling them. They were still living in bondage to them. They were still things that were dominating their lives. Church, I, I am convinced that forgiveness and I don't just mean saying the words, I forgive you, but like truly offering the kind of forgiveness from our hearts that sets both us and the other person free. This is probably one of the hardest things for us to do as followers of Jesus. And that's why I think a lot of times, because we feel like we can't forgive people, we try to find other ways to deal with it, right? Some of us, we tend to hold on to that pain and try to lord it over the people who've hurt us, right? We just stew on it and dwell on it. Others of us, we try to pretend that it really wasn't that big of a deal. Others ignore it. Others will turn to other destructive practices like abusing substances. And all the while, when we do these things, we are blinded to the reality that our, willing, our, our, um, our unwillingness, or maybe even our inability, but our inability, our unwillingness to forgive somebody, it is something that is actually hurting us. 
It's keeping us from experiencing the joy and the life that God wants for us. And being trapped in the cycle, like I know that's not something Jesus wants for us. And so that leaves us with this question, what, what do we do with this, right? If, if we're in a place where we're struggling to forgive people from our heart, right? These people who've hurt us, how are we supposed to respond as followers of Jesus? Well, that's what we're gonna look at today because Jesus actually has some really good things to say about this. So just to catch you guys up, if you haven't been here for the last few months, we've been in a series uh, at Christ Community called Kingdom Culture. And what we've been doing is we've been taking time to systematically walk through Matthew's chapter five through seven, which is a sermon on the Mount. And uh, to just really explore like, Jesus, what do you have to say about this coming kingdom? Right, and we've been taking our time, right? Because some of the things that Jesus says, right? They're not just these cliche things that we could hang on the wall or put on a coffee cup, right? They are things that if we actually wrestle with them, if we allow them to begin to shape the way that we think, they're gonna have a significant impact on the way that we live. You see what Jesus is doing with this whole sermon is he's showing us what it means to be a people living in this new kingdom reality that he came to bring. And there's a reason we have been called to do this as Christians. It's because when we live this way, right? When we live differently than the world, People out there who are lost are gonna see it and they're gonna be drawn to us. And in being drawn to us, they're gonna be drawn to Jesus. All right, so this last week, Pastor Allen, he took some time to unpack a part of the sermon in 6, 9 to 15, where Jesus teaches us about prayer, right? And in this teaching, he gives us this template for how we should pray, right? And I, I love this prayer, right? Most of what's in there, it really excites me. He, he talks about worshiping God. Yeah, sign me up. I'm in, right? He talks about asking for God's will to be done, praying for protection, praying for provision. All of that is good stuff. But to be honest, there, there's this one part in the prayer that I really struggle with. And I'm willing to bet that some of you do too. It's what Jesus says in verse 12. He says this, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. You see here, it, it kind of sounds like, like Jesus is making this assumption that we are always going to forgive people. At least that's how I read it. And I, and I struggle with this because as we just talked about, like sometimes forgiveness is hard, but I actually find comfort in what Jesus says here because Jesus understands that, right? Like Jesus knows us, like our pain, our struggles, these things that have happened to us being human, Jesus gets it but he also sees the bigger picture, right? Jesus understands what can happen to our hearts if we choose not to forgive, if we choose to withhold that from somebody else. He understands how it can keep us trapped in this vicious cycle of anger, despair, and hopelessness. In fact, I think Jesus thought this was so important that he actually came back at the end of this prayer to circle back and talk about this idea of forgiveness one more time. And this is gonna be our text for today. It comes out of Matthew 6, 14 to 15, where Jesus says this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, at first glance, this thing that Jesus says here, it comes across as being very abrasive, right? It, it makes a lot of us, uncomfortable. It, it seems that Jesus is saying that, is, that, that, that the forgiveness we receive from his father is contingent on the forgiveness that we offer to others, right? So if we forgive them, God forgives us. But if we choose not to forgive them, 
God won't forgive us. This is a really hard teaching. And the thing I've noticed about hard teachings is that sometimes when we see a hard teaching like this, we just make some assumptions about it. And, and I honestly, I, I think this text hasn't always been taught the most accurately in the church. At least I know that's been my experience. Because when I've heard people preach on this, I've been told that I don't get an option in whether or not I wanna forgive people, right? Even if I don't wanna forgive them, even if I haven't processed the pain, even if I'm still dealing with a lot of baggage, even if that person is still hurting me, I don't get a choice. I have to forgive them because that's what Jesus said I had to do. Now, if you just read this passage in isolation from everything else that's in the Bible, right? If you don't take into consideration anything Jesus had to say about the kingdom or any of the ways that Jesus loved and cared for people, I can see how you'd get there. But I think when we look at those things, when we see who Jesus was and the way that he lived, there's this different story that begins to unfold. You see, I think what Jesus is actually doing here is pointing to something deeper, right? It's not necessarily something that's focused on whether we forgive people or whether we don't forgive people. Instead, I think what Jesus is talking about is this thing that can help us see and understand whether or not the kingdom he has come to bring has actually taken root in our hearts. That's what we're gonna explore together today. But to get there, we've actually got to do a little work, right? We've got to understand the context in which Jesus first taught this sermon. He was speaking to a group of people who were immersed in the Jewish culture, right? In this Jewish culture, they had a very particular way of viewing life. And in a lot of ways, this new kingdom that Jesus was teaching was very similar to the Jewish culture, but in some other ways, specifically in how it thought of things like forgiveness, it was very different. And it's not that it was different in like being the total opposite of it. It, it. Rather, it was like the fulfillment of everything it was supposed to be, right? So let's take a peek at how they thought about forgiveness. So, so according to the Jewish culture, whenever somebody would sin against another person, which is basically doing something that hurt them, they'd be required to go through this process called teshuva before they could ever ask for forgiveness, now, teshuva was this practice of self-examination where the perpetrator would go to the person they had hurt, they would express their regret and make every effort they could to make things right. And it was only after they did this, and it was a very strict process, a lot of steps you had to walk through, but only after they had done this would they have earned the right to go and ask for forgiveness. Now, there was a reason the Jewish people had this practice. You see, they believed that giving somebody forgiveness before they deserved it wasn't kind. They actually believed that it was something that was wrong. You see, they thought it would be something that would not only cause further harm to the person who had been hurt, they thought it was something that would reinforce this idea in the mind of the perpetrator that, that doing wrong things wasn't that big of a deal because forgiveness was something you could get simply by asking for it. And so that's where teshuva comes in. Somebody would have to walk through this whole process show that they had had this change happen within them, show that they had a repentant heart. And then and only then could they go and ask to be forgiven. See, at the end of the day, I think this whole process of teshuva, if we were to sum it up, it's simply this, it's trying to earn your forgiveness. That's what it was. Now, here's the interesting thing. For all of the processes people had to walk through, there was a, a cool little caveat there. Um, just because somebody walked through teshuva, it didn't mean the person they had sinned against had to forgive them. 
I mean, there's always the hope that they would, but according to the law, they always had the freedom to say no. But if they chose to say yes, there were three types of forgiveness that could be offered to them if they were deemed to be worthy of it. All right, and this is important. We're gonna come back to this later, but the first is this. It's called Michaela, right? This is like the most basic level of forgiveness, right? It's where the debt's forgiven, but the crime remains. Basically, it means that there's no reconciliation happening within this relationship. You're just not gonna hold this thing over them anymore. The second is a little bit deeper. It's this thing called Salika, right? It's a lot deeper than Michaela because not only are they not gonna hold this person liable, the person who's been sinned against, they actually begin to feel compassion and empathy for this person who had hurt them. Instead of seeing them as a monster, they see them as a human being. And then the third kind of forgiveness, it was actually something that was never practiced in this culture. It was called kapara. It was the total wiping away of any sin, consequences, and memory related to it. It was the ultimate form of forgiveness. And in the Jewish culture, it was believed that this was the only kind of forgiveness that could be granted by God alone. Now, teshuva, Michaela, Salika, Kapara, a lot of that sounds exhausting and archaic, and yet at the same time, familiar. Right? It doesn't really sound like it's all that different than what we do in our culture. Right? Just like the Jewish people, we feel this need to jump through all these hoops when we want forgiveness. Or when somebody asks for forgiveness, we only feel compelled to give it to them if we think that they actually deserve it. And in my experience, just to be honest with you guys, whenever I've done this, whenever I've had like this system or these expectations or these hoops people had to jump through, like it feels like there's something missing. It feels like it's not complete. Have you ever felt that too? Like, like why is that? Why does our way of offering forgiveness never really satisfy us? Well, there's a story in Matthew 18 that, Jesus tells that I think can help us see what the missing piece is, right? So, so in this story, uh, Jesus, he's with his disciples and Peter, he's one of the disciples. He comes up to Jesus and he asks him a question. He, he asked Jesus, is forgiving somebody who's hurt me seven times enough? All right, so apparently Peter at this point, he had picked up uh, from being around Jesus that forgiveness was an important part of this new kingdom culture. Right? So he's like, Jesus, is seven times enough? Right? Because in that culture, maybe people would do it one, two, possibly three times. He's like, what about seven? Will that make me holy enough? And I, I love Jesus's response. He says, seven times? No, 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 Peter. I want you to do it 77 times. It's like Jesus was saying, good job, Peter. You listened, congratulations. You heard what I said, but you also missed the entire point of what I meant. I don't want you to forgive somebody seven times. I want you to forgive them so many times that you actually lose track of it. And then Jesus goes on to tell this parable to illustrate what he's really going after when it comes to forgiveness. It's a story of a king and his servant who owed him money. All right, so you got a king, he's owed a large amount of money uh, by a servant, 10,000 talents. Uh, in today's money, that's about like $19 billion. So no, no small fee. And uh, the, the servant comes before him and the king asks for it and the servant goes, I, I can't pay it. And he begs for mercy. And then the king, he was moved by this man's situation and out of pity for him, he offers him forgiveness for the debt that he owed, right? He wipes the slate clean. Now th this act, it's the kind of forgiveness that was unheard of in that time. 
Very similar actually to the, the copper kind of forgiveness that God alone can grant. I mean, this was a radical act of forgiveness. And you would think that this is the kind of thing that would change your life, right? I mean, if this happened to you, it would, it would change not only your circumstances, but probably the way you view everything and everyone around you. Give you a new perspective, a, a new way of, of living. But unfortunately, that's not what happened with the servant. It didn't actually seem to impact him at all. Because after he left the palace, he found a servant of his who owed him money. Um, and it was a smaller debt, still kind of sizable, but it was about $12,000 in today's money. And when he saw this servant of his, he demanded that he paid what he owed. And just like him, the guy didn't have the money. And he asked for mercy, right? The same thing he had asked for from the king. But this guy didn't give it to him. Instead, he began to choke him and screamed at him and demanded that he pay what he owed. Well, some of the other people who were there were really bothered by this because they had just seen what had happened between this man and the king, right? They knew the debt he had been forgiven. And so they went to the king and they just said, look at what happened. And the king, he was furious. And so he summoned this man before him. And he told him that because he couldn't understand the magnitude of what he had done for him and forgiving that debt, because he couldn't extend that same grace and mercy towards somebody else who was in need and forgive their debt, he was gonna be thrown in prison until he could pay the debt in full. And at the end of this parable, Jesus connects all of this to the idea of forgiveness and how it relates to us. Saying that the same thing's gonna to happen to us if we don't offer the same mercy and forgiveness that we've been given by God to other people. So what's Jesus really getting at here, right? Why is this the story that he tells in response to Peter's question? Well, with every story that Jesus tells, there, there's always a deeper meaning, right? We, we know this. And with all these stories, the reason Jesus uses characters is because he wants us to find ourselves within them. And in this story, we're, we're not the hero, right? That, that's God, he is the king. We are the servant who owed the large debt. And the servants who owed the smaller debt, those are the people who have hurt us and wounded us. Now this debt that we owe to God, it's not financial. It actually has to do with our sin. And look, like I know a lot of times we don't like to talk about sin, right? We, we try to play it down to write it off as not being that big of a deal. But according to what we see in the Bible, like our sin is a big deal. It's a willful act of rebellion against God. And what the Bible tells us is that the only way to deal with this debt that we owe the only way to create a reality where we could be made whole again, where we could be restored, where we could be forgiven was for Jesus, the son of God, to go to the cross in our place and to take the debt that we owed upon himself and in doing so set us free from ever having to pay the debt back again. What Jesus is communicating here is that in the same way we've been given forgiveness, in the same way we've been given grace and mercy, right? And it's a grace and a mercy that don't make sense, right? Like he says, in the same way that that's all true for you, your heart's default position should be trying to extend that same kind of forgiveness, grace and mercy to the people who have wronged you. I think Jesus goes after this idea of forgiveness so hard here in the Sermon on the Mount and later on in Matthew, because he knows these 
uh, systems and ways that like we're trapped in trying to, to deal with this on our own, right? Trying to, to earn it, trying to make other people earn it, only giving it if people are worthy of it. Friends, not only is this way of living exhausting, not only does it leave us feeling empty, I really think it keeps us from seeing the beauty of this bigger story that God is inviting us into. And it's a story that has the ability not only to impact our lives, but also the lives of all of the people around us. It's a story that's not just about justice and what's right and wrong. It's a story about what happens when grace gets the last word. Because when grace gets the last word, it changes everything. I remember reading this story couple years ago, and I think it just illustrates this perfectly. In 1993, there, there was a woman named Mary Johnson whose only son was murdered at a party by a 16-year-old kid named O'Shea Israel. And as Mary tells it, throughout this whole trial, she felt nothing but hatred and anger towards this monster who had taken the life of her son. She wanted him to suffer. And he did. He was convicted and put in prison. And after the trial, Mary got involved with a support group at her church. And as she met with other people who were dealing with grief and trauma, very similar to her her own, she began to sense the Lord leading her to do something she didn't want to do. But she also sensed that this thing God was asking her to do would be an important part of her journey and her healing. And that thing was to forgive her son's killer. And, And so she began to call over to the prison to request a meeting with this young guy and he said no, right? And so she called again and said no. And eventually he agreed to meet with her. And so the day came, the two of them met. And as she sat across from him, this young man who had killed her son, she felt something begin to change in her heart. As she looked across the table, she didn't see a monster like she used to. She actually saw a young man who was in need of grace and mercy. You know, there in that prison meeting room, a beautiful story of forgiveness driven by the hope of the gospel began to unfold. Right, these two, they continued to meet in the coming years. They talked, they shared stories, they uh, shared their, their dreams, they, they formed a bond, right? And in that time, O'Shea, he apologized and asked for forgiveness for what he had done. And, and Mary, she forgave him. Right, but it doesn't stop there, right? Like here's the crazy part. Here's why this actually made national news because when he got out of prison 15 years later, because of the forgiveness that had happened, because of the reconciliation, because of the relationship they had developed, he actually ended up moving next door to Mary so that he could take care of her in her old age. He had become a son to her. And when he got out of prison, Mary, she helped him get a job She helped him prepare to go to college. She became a mother to him. You know, when Mary first reached out to O'Shea, she thought she was just doing it for herself, for her own peace of mind, for her own heart. Little did she know how that one decision to move towards forgiveness would not only impact her life, but also the life of this young man who desperately needed her forgiveness. And that forgiveness, it set them both free. Friends, this is 
what forgiveness does, right? When we can understand the depths of the love that God has for us, the lengths that he was willing to go to forgive us, it's not just gonna impact us, it's gonna impact everyone who is around us. And I, please hear me, hear me when I say this, right? Choosing to forgive, it's not gonna erase the past, right? It's, it's not gonna mean that we have to act as if nothing has ever happened or that we don't have to have boundaries set up to protect ourselves from people who are continuing to hurt us, right? Jesus never said that. He's not implying that. Instead, what this is, is it's an invitation to begin looking at this whole conversation about forgiveness in a new way to let go of the burdens we've been carrying and to take the first step towards the person who hurt us, knowing that when we bring the full weight of the hope of the gospel into these areas of brokenness and hurt in our lives, Jesus will begin the process of healing everybody who's involved. And sometimes that takes a long time. That's okay. Right? Forgiveness, it's not instant, right? Sometimes it takes years, but it is worth it. And I know this because I am living it out right now, right? When my dad left as a young kid, I was angry. I was hurt. And, and I'll be honest, I, I carried some of that over into us reconnecting last summer, right? I still had some of those wounds, but as I've walked through this process of, for, of forgiveness, as I've continued to move towards my father, we have rebuilt a relationship. We have been able to experience hope, life, freedom. And, and the cool thing, right? That's not just something for me. That's for my dad too. A couple months ago, my dad sent me a painting that he had started working on after his trip out here last summer. And it's gonna pop up here on the screen for you guys to see. It's a picture that he's entitled, Climbing Out. And when I asked him what this painting was about, he told me that it was symbolic of the journey that we had been walking through together. He, he told me that when he left, he cut himself off from the rest of the world and he crawled into a hole that he never intended to come out of. He was consumed with shame and regret over the things that he had done. But then he said, when I reached out to him, when I continued to move towards him and pursue him, when I offered him forgiveness, and it was a forgiveness that didn't make sense to him, but when I offered that to him, it gave him the courage to begin believing that there was a better story for him, a story that was filled with hope, a story that was filled with life. And it was that story that gave him the courage to begin climbing out of this hole he had put himself in. And honestly, it's been so amazing to watch how this has all played out over the last year. Our past is still our past. We can't change that, right? You don't get to rewrite history, but together we actually have control over what our future is gonna look like. A month ago, he was out here visiting us again and he took me and my four daughters camping up in Estes Park. If you had asked me five years ago, if that would ever happen, I would have told you there wasn't like a one in a million chance. I would have said, no way. And yet here we are in a relationship where forgiveness is happening, where reconciliation is happening. And it all started with this belief that I had, with this knowledge that I had, that like, God, you have forgiven me. You have offered me mercy. And so I'm just gonna believe that because you can offer that to me, I can offer that to him. And guys, it has been beautiful. So everything Jesus says about forgiveness, 
about not getting it unless we give it. Like, I, I honestly, I don't think it's there to scare us. I, I don't think it's there to make us do something we don't wanna do. Because in light of everything that we see in the gospels about who God is, we see a different picture of him. I mean, he was the one who pursued us first. He loved us first while we were sinners who were rebelling against him. Christ died for us. You see, Jesus, he is inviting us to play our part in this bigger story that God's writing. It is the story where grace gets the last word. So as we remember the love and the mercy we've been given, if we remember the forgiveness that has been freely given, if we reflect on the lengths that God was willing to go for us, and if we keep these things in our hearts, it is gonna give us the strength and the courage to make that first move towards the people who have hurt us. And as we move towards them, we offer them the same things that we have received. Let's pray. You know, as we move into a time of prayer, I wanna, I wanna invite you to have a conversation with God and invite him to speak some things to your heart and there's a few things I, I wanna invite you to reflect on. The first is this, have you been overwhelmed by the magnitude of what God has done for you? Like, have you ever just sat and thought about the reality that Jesus went to the cross and he did all of that to take the dead, like the love he gave you? Reflect on that. And in light of what the Lord has told you and what he has revealed to you just about the love and the grace and the mercy he's given you, would you ask him to bring to mind any relationships where there are people you might need to move towards? Are there people you need to forgive? Is there still resentment and bitterness that you're hanging on to? Ask the Lord what your next step is in moving towards that. Jesus, we thank you for the love and the grace and the mercy that you have given us. Father, every day would we be continually overwhelmed by the reality of what you have done. Father, would it take deep root in our hearts and would it begin to change the way we see people and relationships and the damage that happens as we live life together? Father, would we be a people who could extend the same mercy you've given us to other people? the same grace that you've given us to other people and the same forgiveness to them so that, Father, they might see you. And Lord, would you continue to help heal the wounds that we have, 
cause us to draw near to you, to lean into you, and to find our ultimate hope and identity in you. So we love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.